Hello out there in podcast land. Welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook at Caregiving is a Ministry, all one word. We're getting ready to jump into trust and waiting on God, and this episode I think is going to be really, really exciting. At least it is for me. (laughs) Our scripture comes from the book of James, the fifth chapter, verses seven and eight, and I'll be reading from the New International Version. It reads, be patient, then brothers and sisters, until the Lord, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord, the Lord's coming is near. What I want us to pay attention is what James is saying to our sisters and brothers in the first century, to wait on God waiting for his return. And then he gives the analogy of the farmer. Well, I don't know how many of you out there are farmers. My guess is that there aren't many. My mother was a gardener. She planted vegetables and had potted plants. So if I were to ask for a show of hands, how many of you are gardeners, you know, potted plants, have a little vegetable garden, I think I'd probably get more hands raised than farmers. But gardening and farming is the same, isn't it? It's just with gardening, you have a smaller yield, so to speak. The practices are the same. We plant something and we wait for it to grow. We watch with expectant eyes and hope on what will, to co- what will come. The same principle of planting is what James wants the early church to put into practice for them and for us now. What are the principles of farming or gardening, right? In essence, you take something that's raw, something that's in its infancy, like a seed. For us, it's the seed of faith and allow that small mustard seed to grow, that mustard seed of faith to just flourish. Where where does it grow, right? It grows in the soil of our hearts. Now, a quick sidebar on the type of soil that you have. You recall in the Gospels, Jesus gives a parable about the sower of the seed and how seed fell on rocky soil and on good soil. Good soil, I'm arguing that you have to cultivate good soil. You have to nurture soil for it to be good. It isn't something that just happens Good soil means that you're providing it with the nutrients that it needs to sustain sustain a seed. A constant stream of God's word, being in fellowship with him and in prayer. All of this is nurturing the soul of your heart to allow that tiny little mustard seed of faith to grow. You see, even though we all may start off with the mustard seed of faith, as each one of us walk and grow in our um, walk with the Lord, that allows our faith to mature. But you got to be intentional about it. So we have this seed of faith right in our heart. And we too are to apply the same principles of form- farming that we are applying to the soil, we're applying to the seed, almost one in the same, because the seed is in the soil. We provide water and food and love 
just as um, we continue to nurture our soil, right? Our seed is developing. And so you're continually continuing to develop your relationship in Christ throughout our entire life's journey to, to water our faith with God's word, to provide the food of um, for our faith by not forsaking the assembly of the saints, right? By being in fellowship with other believers who will encourage us so that we can hear their testimonies that inspire us to continue on and to love God with all of our heart, to spend time with him in worship and in prayer. All of that is creating an atmosphere where our faith can start to grow. It all works towards our maturing. And our maturing is necessary because we will have to wait. Yes, we are all waiting, are we not? Just as our sisters and brothers in James's day were waiting for Christ's return, we too are waiting for his return. However, I really think that we aren't waiting with the same sense of immediacy that they were waiting with. And for me, that's understandable. It's understandable because of the distance that we have when God actually walked the earth. We are the believers that Jesus prayed about in John 17 and 12, where he said, my prayer is not for them alone, them meaning the disciples, but my prayer also is for those who will believe in me through their message, that's you and I. And also as Jesus spoke to Thomas in John 20 and 29, where Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. That's you and me once again. So we do know God. We have experienced him for ourselves personally. And we do know that he will return despite not having actually seen him for ourselves or knowing someone who's actually knew Jesus Christ. See, this distance, I believe, makes us um, lacking in a sense. The early Christians, you know, especially at the very beginning, They knew Jesus. They saw Jesus. He walked the earth. And then, or as as others came to know Christ, then they knew the disciples who knew Jesus, right? We're further along down the line. So we know God and we know that he's returning. But I think quite frankly, we really don't concern ourselves with when he's going to return. We just kind of live here in an ungodly world doing the best that we can. And because our early believers knew people who knew Jesus, right, they took him at his word of actually waiting for his return, like right now, any moment. They thought that he would return in their lifetime. And I'm just not sure that we really have considered that maybe Jesus could return in our lifetime. And I can say that with with all confidence that We don't think that because of our behavior and our conduct, because if we really thought that, it would be different. See, I believe that if we really thought that Jesus could come back any day now, we would want all of our loved ones to know him. 
So we would actively be ministering to them. Then once we had spoken to all of our loved ones and quote unquote got them saved or or at least presented the gospel to them, then we turned to our friends. And then after our friends, after we pestered them and presented the gospel to them, then we'd return to our neighbors. There would be such a sense of urgency that we would have. And we wouldn't hear the comments Um, that I've heard and maybe you have heard you know comments like I find religion to be a very personal thing or I don't have to go to church to know God or I'm spiritual but I'm not religious or I have faith in God but it's very personal I don't need to express it to anyone those are the statements that I hear that tell me that we really don't understand that Christ could come back anytime we, would, we wouldn't plan so much for our future, so much so, because we would think that God was returning right now. Now, I'm not advocating that you not plan for your future, but I think we spend more time planning on our futures and our foreign work case and when we retire and all that kind of stuff. But we really aren't looking at our, our lives. Are they giving a testimony to God so that if he does come back today, he would find us faithful? So to me, that begs the question of, since he, Christ didn't return in their day, and he hasn't returned yet in ours, why is he waiting? Why the wait for the return? Scripture tells us that God wants everyone to hear the message of Jesus Christ. So that's one reason why he hasn't returned yet, because we can assume not everyone has heard. And at one point, he's going to cut it off. We don't know when that is. Two... I think it's because he has his purpose for us, right? To use us to bring the message of Jesus Christ to everyone else, right? He he wants us to bring that message, but he also wants us to challenge the environments that he places us in. Recall we've spoken about God, how God is very strategic, right? You're not where you you are by happenstance. It's not by chance. Now, granted, you may have insisted on your way and, you know, took a little detour (laughs) you thought from your destiny but God has a way of circling us back as Jonah and he is you will accomplish what he has placed you here to accomplish he leaves us here so that we can have impact where we are to show a chaotic world how everyone can live in harmony in his kingdom how he is no respecter of persons or male nor female does that sound familiar right? That's what Paul was telling the church. That's why he tarries. It's funny because we're waiting on him, but is he not waiting on us? (laughs) Waiting on us to deploy the faith that has been cultivated in our our hearts, that, that we trust him enough to speak up and speak out about the injustices that we see. To use our voices to bring unity to our families and our communities. To set an example of forgiveness and turning the other cheek. To be the example of working with others that you may not agree with by extending love and empathy and compassion to everyone, recognizing that everyone has been made in the image of God. He's waiting on us. That Recognizing that we all are on a journey and we need each other for the next step. So James then offers encouragement to the believers who are probably a little bit disappointed that Jesus has not returned yet. They're being singled out now 
for their unwillingness to participate in polytheistic worship. They are under suspicion by the Roman Empire for not um, pledging allegiance to the emperor. And things were getting pretty, pretty heated for them. So if any a time for Jesus to return, wasn't it then? Isn't it now? For them, it was not. But for us, we don't know. Therefore, we do what James says. We remain patient. We continue to employ all of the principles of gardening. And I'm sure I've left out some because I'm not a gardener. (laughs) But we nurture our soul. We nurture the faith. We allow God to expand us, to grow us, to use the experiences of our lives to still point back to him, but to mature in our faith. We grow in God's word and we allow him to use us, to use us as caregivers for our loved ones, as parents, as business owners, spouses, public servants, military members, all of that. We allow God to use us all for his glory. And we stop insisting on wanting the right now and we surrender to the wait. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. (laughs) We thank you for being more than what we could ever imagine, more than what we can define. (laughs) We thank you for being a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We thank you for being a God who allows us to come before your very presence and place our petitions before you. And we thank you, God, for your timing. We surrender to your timing. I ask, Father, that if there is any anxiety or worry or angst that is going on right now in the listeners, that they remember who you are, that they remember that you have placed them where they are because you have something for them to do. Help them to recognize that you will return, but until you return, there's a mission that you've given them that you expect them to do, and you ask them to continue to put their faith in you, to learn of you, to grow in you, to spend time with you so that you can cultivate that faith, so that you can use them for the purpose that you've created them for. That there are various seasons in our lives that we go through, all in an effort for you, for us to grow in you and for us to use you, for for you to use us. We thank you, Lord, for having a magnificent plan We thank you for working all things out for our good and your glory. But this day, Lord, help us to wait on you with expectant hearts, knowing that you will return. Bless our loved ones. Bless any of our family members who have have not yet come to know you as Christ. Help them to see you in us. Bring other people in their path, Father, so that they can see you in them. And help them one day to acknowledge you as Lord and Savior in their lives. We praise you and we bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, my caregiving family, go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. Bye.